Welcome to the Knives Out Minute Podcast, where we're on minute 59. That's uh, time code 5800 to 5859. I'm your host, Adil Kirchi, and once again, I am joined by Eric Harzer. Hey there. How's it going? Not bad. Let's see um, how how concise we can be today. <laughs> um, inside baseball, we've taken a couple days between, between sessions, and uh, I think we're both raring to go. Yep. Both love this movie, clearly. Um so minute 59 just a quick recap um so we were in that scene of um marta on the one side of the muddy stretch of pathway towards the house's backyard from the woods uh, and the three cops at the other and blanc has just realized uh, has started chastising people for being in the mud uh, and his line at the end was marta stay and we pick up with there marta and blanc have a what no stay there marta no no as she i couldn't hear you walks right back back through the path uh over her tracks for a second time um i couldn't hear you he says "Ah, it's all right it's all right um lieutenant elliot sort of mutters uh to to, off to wagner we're gonna need to call the boys and have them take a look at all these tracks get it taked off Marta stay on that side. Again, Marta apologizes very diminutively. Uh, then we hear dogs barking, and the two dogs charge down the path from the house, again, right right through the mud. Uh, and Marta greets them. Blanc says the best char- judge of character is a dog. Uh, and then we hear a car arrive, and the dogs turn around and charge right back up to the top of the drive to the newly arrived uh, Richard and Linda getting out of a black SUV. Linda greets the puppies um, and Lieutenant Elliot informs them that they have the, that the family is all gathering because the plans are to read the will at around 10 or so, I think. Um, uh, Marta re- remarks, I've never been to a will reading as her and Blanc are walking casually uh, up up through the garden towards the rear of the house. Uh, Blanc says, uh, oh, well, you think it'd be like a game show, but it's kind of community theater production of a tax return. Marta asks, what are we looking for? Blanc ends with, uh, oh, you know, anything suspicious or out of the ordinary, you'll know it. And we cut the minute. So it's, you know, a fairly um, relaxed on the sense of dialogue. Mm-hmm. Uh chunk but again another neatly loaded minute uh, what were your first impressions eric um i liked it uh, i like there's a there's a couple of pieces of this minute that i think will become very important later on uh so important to kind of re-signpost that stuff kind of mark it down for later uh it, it's it's a useful uh pragmatic minute that will uh see usage later on Fully, yeah, and I gotta say, those first couple few seconds, like we we talked at length yesterday about how Marta's shrewder than she looks, um, and I think this is her playing 
the role she knows people assume of mm -hmm. her extraordinarily well, yeah. right? Because the, the what? What? And then, like, kind of almost like little kid trundling, like, oh, I better find out what you're saying. <laughs> like, you know, like very innocently. That's what it is. Like an innocent walk back. Sorry, what were you saying? Mm -hmm. As she's, I mean, we know that she's very um, purposefully mm -hmm. obscuring the, the, the her tracks in the mud slash adding new ones uh, yet again. But it just comes off very naturally um, as... Sorry, what? What? And then when it's when she, you know it's revealed that she's um, done, you know they wander off the off the mud. She she sort of apologizes, mm -hmm. and she even goes so far as like when Lieutenant Elliot is sort of mentioned, stay off. She, she apologizes again. Right, right, right. She's taking advantage of a very understandable situation where she she can't be expected to know all that a uh, detective would need to try to protect to figure this case out, but. We're with her, and we know that she knows more than them. So it, it's it's just great. Yeah. It's just great. Uh, and I think it's I think this is speaking to the, the sort of the dialogue and the writing uh, being so so tightly done that sort of the next thing you hear outside of Lieutenant Elliot sort of t off again, sort of in the soundscape in the background. Sort of a lot of mm -hmm. the Elliot to Wagner stuff is um, is not in the foreground of the soundstage, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's very, usually them in the background muttering things, adding color, making it feel like a sort of a more deep, uh, vibrant place because mm -hmm. uh, it's not just foreground um, conversation. So, again, they're doing that thing where you're getting information, right? And so, But it's very cop procedural. Right. Like, right, right, of course, get the team down. The team. The team with their special things. <laughs> uh, it kind of doesn't matter, but it's just like the throwaway cop line. But that's in the background right before, right as Marta is like, kneeling down to greet the dogs mm -hmm. like as they charge up uh, i think it's also interesting that they don't even curse the dogs like they're just like they're just saying their cop procedural lines right right um and then of course um blanc says that he thinks dogs are the best judge of character which i mean i mean it's a it's a common trope right mm -hmm. people say these things and also like we we, we like marta but I think it's, I didn't, until I like started thinking more about this minute in and of itself, I didn't realize how ironic him saying at that moment as that the lead detective mm -hmm. who just has no idea that the person he is pursuing, right? Yeah, is right there is right them. beside right. him. Um, and he's saying, ah, yes, the dog likes you. And I think dogs are an excellent judge of character. Um, the irony there being that, not only is is she under his nose, but she's literally. This is seconds after she's done another round mm -hmm. on the short walk of evidence tampering. Right, right. Um, yeah, it's interesting because I think the dogs like serve as a uh, marker for where people are at a certain time, and then they're also like a not not necessarily a lie detector like Marta's condition is, but they are like a. Um, a sign of people who are good so they're going to make a big noise and uh be upset when somebody who is not good is around so you can kind of use that in the the past of the movie to see uh well somebody bad must have been there yeah so we know that like there was a dog barking sometime late in the night mm -hmm. um for example uh, from from the, all the flashbacks earlier, but we also know that when Marta was doing her thing in her extensive explanation to Ransom, mm -hmm. 
of what happened that, that they didn't bark at her. Right. Right. Um, but I, I, I mean, that's how I felt too. But it strikes me that like they bark on the way to Marta, mm-hmm. uh, but they, then they're not at her. And then they sort of do the same thing to to Richard and Linda, or at least Linda. I mean, she she yells my babies in the mm-hmm. background or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, and yes, it's, it's a very like dog ownery, <laughs> like written chunk of dialogue. Right. Um, but um, oh yeah, my puppies. Sorry, is this the line? Uh, but they do bark on the way, which I thought was interesting because you're like. The, the film very much seems to want us to think that they won't bark at Marta or when she's around. Mm-hmm. But they actually did just now? Or were they barking at the cops who they didn't uh, know? That's probably the cops. Marta and yeah. shut up? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, 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 there's like, I don't know. It's like, I found it interesting because, like, you're right. Like, we're, the film wants us to think barking bad. But, of course, they did bark. That's how we knew they were coming down the mm-hmm. path. But it... Because then they were super happy and not barking, we sort of can easily let that go. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, I assume it's it's, it's they don't like Wagner. <laughs> so like he is always around looking at that weird statue of a hippo. Yeah, might be a little bit suspicious of him. But yeah, yeah, you're right. Obviously, this is another sort of tag because it's one of the things in the recounts we know is a is a trackable fact. Right, right. That they started barking um, at this time. That, mm. Yeah, and we know that, like, Marta didn't have that problem, and they, they clearly like her, and mm-hmm. they're fine. Um, I'm actually going to quickly check. So the, so they do bark uh, when they're, like, halfway up. The, the one dog barks when it's halfway up the yard mm-hmm. um, before Linda yells yes, and then she, like sort of like, like, like a running bark, bark, I'm coming, stop. Mm-hmm. Which, again, I think is probably me overanalyzing, because... Um, dogs, bro. That's the yeah. thing I do. Uh, but be, be, because uh, like the 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 barking that was sort of retold mm-hmm. uh, was very much like a bark, 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 bark. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like it was. They were barking up a storm in the balloon. Versus like they barked twice because they saw a friend, like a friendly face, and then shut up. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. Like the it, and, and like with this walk up the back, we sort of walk up to the trellis as well. Mm-hmm. So it's like we're 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 again. I think it's it's the, this these past few minutes are definitely because we're we're tracking. Um, it's kind of funny because they didn't get the tapes. They didn't know that the car had stopped. Right mm-hmm. to to approach the car the house from the rear. They're just kind of traipsing around. Right, right. But they're actually tracking Marta's path. <laughs> yeah, which it's like must be. Must be hell for her. Right? Yeah, it's it's the perfect way for them to go to see anything. But because they've got the person with them who did it, that she's she's covering things up as she goes. <laughs> it's funny. And well, then and then of course we know the everyone's about to gather. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so yeah, so so the one thing because obviously this is like a bridging between the end of the sort of Marta fooling around chunk and the beginning of the like what's happening in the house now chunk. Yeah. Uh, or it seems to be as they're going towards the house, right? Um, I've, I I did think that the dialogue of this was was more remarkable. This was like a nice indicative point of why the dialogue is so well done. Mm-hmm. Part of it is just the these small things, like I said, the sort of Wagner and Elliot in the background doing cop procedural things, right. and uh, and because of what how like loud they are and like where they are in the soundstage compared to others, 
we don't feel like we're transitioning. We feel like we're just around. And then also just Linda, you know, greeting the puppies is just a nice touch. Uh, we see the, her greeting the puppies. The dog go bar dog goes barreling back up the road. Uh, and then we cut to um, Mar Marta and Blanc walking up the real house. Like like that, that it's as far as we know in this chunk, right? Like the, the interaction was just sort of flavorful. Mm -hmm. right, right. There was no need to bring Linda in and Richard arriving. We could easily have not had that. And then Lieutenant Elliot say, oh, by the way, it's almost this time. So mm -hmm. um, they've got the, the to plans to read the will. Here. Yeah, things kind of coalesce like, together, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah, and then um, and and like the, so, so it's like really smartly knowing when to put a small short scene mm -hmm. that like interacts with the dogs and visually brings in the notion that the family is arriving, right. versus just having like some showing, not just telling, mm -hmm. versus just having Elliot being like, oh, by the way, when we get to the house, there might be a whole bunch of people. Right, right. Um, but also, I really like the the Blanc's line of. Um, Oh well, you think it'd be like a game show, but think of a community theater production of a tax return. <laughs> like, uh, is such a good um, description of a sort of group reading of a will, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, especially obviously for something like this, where the community theater is definitely the like family dynamics. The like, yeah. oh, this person got this thing when it's really just this line by line boring document right? mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it's um, it, it, you normally it's something that everyone expects it's like yeah we, we know how this is gonna go there's the there's the kind of interaction between the family but other than that it's pretty 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 stayed pretty <laughs> we know exactly what this is gonna be yeah although i mean it is sort of one of those cliches right mm -hmm. but it's like chekhov's will reading <laughs> Just by announcing that there will be a will reading, you know that something's going to go wrong kind right, of thing. You don't right. put these in narratives unless they are serving a purpose. And the easiest way to trip up the purpose of a of a will reading is to have a shocking change. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's either um, new information comes to light or, yeah, it majorly changes the the structure of how... <laughs> yeah, so, so it's an interesting cliche to play with because I think we all are primed for... Oh, a will reading. I wonder what will happen. Mm -hmm. Right, um, which yeah, uh, I think is is um, an interesting trope, and again, uh, the sh show's really good at um, show. The film's really good <laughs> at, at at playing with nodding to tropes without leaning on overloading, mm -hmm. without like just being a, a trope machine. There's like, the there's, knowing yeah. use of trope. There's always a twist on it. There's always a purpose to it, other than just doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I'm um, just anything else in this um I I, I know I I I've mentioned the um dialogue, but there's any other bits to I'm wondering this why is the dog named like? Hussy? Is that some kind of significant name for any reason? Yeah, I don't know actually. It's not really um, springing anything to mind at all. I wish I knew the name of the other dog. Right, because maybe if you can put them both together. like, And especially because Ryan Johnson is kind of like very specific about the things he does. I I think that they're named for a reason. So Yeah, I'm super curious now. Uh, I'm just going to quickly look. No mention of the names in the script. That's not true. A weird internet person. Of course, it's not going to be in the cast because it's well, it's not in the cast, unfortunately. 
um because sometimes they put the animal in the um credits as you know right. sparky is hussy or whatever yeah 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 i'm not really seeing anything no um so other than that one name like i i would definitely in the future look for and seeing if there's any dogs named hmm i think i i i could be mistaken but i think hussy's the only the other one's never named there mm-hmm yeah, I'm not saying anything. So, yep, yeah, mystery yeah, that anyway. will go unsolved. Um, I mean, at some sometimes a, a dog is just a dog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so uh, so I really like the the like layers of irony on the, on the simple a dog is a, uh, a good judge of character, mm-hmm. uh, and like the playfulness of the description of the wills. I think it for for you know dialogue wise it, it feels like kind of a bland minute but it's actually like really exemplary of mm-hmm. um how good all of it is writing right and it's kind of thing where like this is a minute you might think in other movies oh you could cut that out and it wouldn't make a difference but i think overall it's like it's bridging things it's uh, uh restating or bring to your attention details that uh you might have either dismissed or not thought more about and this minute is just basically stating things more openly and bringing us to the next location so it's useful yeah uh, and also uh i think like we mentioned before the the when you made brought up editing i'm like most you're right most people would not have that scene with linda and richard because it's right. so short right it involves animals so you know that it was more of a pain on set like having to train like get the dog trainer to get the dogs to run up the thing and uh and you know jump up on jamie lee curtis like mm-hmm. that takes time right? right and it and like it's a far shot too right yep. it's not a cut to up by the car i don't believe it's just like um they hear the car they recognize the sound and they our cut to is still on the far end of the backyard right like mm-hmm. it, the this the car starts halfway across the scene uh like lengthwise and then and, it, and then we go deeper so it's it's like it it it, it is shot kind of like a throwaway of course mm-hmm. uh and that's why it works again i think it's 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 ryan johnson really playing with the camera very much is is the perspective of the viewer and the viewer is often tied to like in the flashbacks the viewer is tied to the person who's flashing back mm-hmm. right we get these, and because of that, we get these dynamic pans and stuff. But often we decouple from that person's point of view, yeah, and carry on so that the audience sees more mm-hmm. specific detail or follows someone else or whatever. And I feel like it's very much a you are here, you are here with these characters, but you've kind of like because of all these dynamic shots, because of this consistency of that, mm-hmm. it very much feels like you you're there. See, it's seeing things from a very specific perspective and so like cutting from the outside of the fence in the woods with the dogs running up the mud path to cutting to somewhere in the yard but still facing from where you would if you like ran 10 paces forward into the yard mm-hmm. that's where the camera stopped like that's where we cut to so we're still on the same tra- trajectory mm-hmm. as um as we as like the path would have been and and it's not like we're following the dogs. We're sort of like, okay, so here's a closer look, mm-hmm. as, if, as if you were like squinting off. What are they running at? You could clearly think of like the idea of 
they didn't someone didn't actually run up the path after them but it's like this is the part of their vision they're focusing on same sort of point of view just sort of zoomed in closer right if again it feels like you're still the sort of there's this like ethereal body that you're still very much with the people looking towards the driveway mm-hmm. and i think that's and that's a thing that like for most of the film we're very much in these sh- short dynamic movements and then the hops the actual scene cuts are in if they're not like recounting or cutting to a new location if they're cutting to between they're very much this like more organic planned um route uh like i i dabbled with some 3d animation uh when i was in high school mm-hmm. and it reminds me of like being able to track the camera right like the camera movement in the 3d space is a way is a way you plan things because the camera is just as another object yeah. and i feel very much that like the camera is an object in this film mm-hmm. in the sense of like it's very cl- the movement of the camera is very 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 well thought out and it is like this shot kind of organic it's a if I was the camera here watching these guys, I'm panning, you know, uh, in this scene, um, I'm panning from Hussey with Marta on the path. Mm-hmm. I'm panning across past Elliot and Wagner, and then we're cutting on that angle, but like t- 10 meters forward or whatever, mm-hmm. and stopping and just watching the dog continue. And, and then we cut to an entirely different scene which is everyone's sort of going sideways across the backyard right but like that that dynamic shot where the action is the same it's not like we're cutting time wise to a different time is still is is like this yeah it's like planning the movement of the camera as if it was an object in the space Mm -hmm. which is i just find really interesting um anyway yeah that's my ramble for today yeah i think it makes Um, more sense i think that is pr- pretty pretty good way to do that. Yeah, I'm just thinking of, like, um, other movies or, like, the average thing, especially, like, sitcoms and stuff, you just have these, like, permanent spots that you hop between. Mm-hmm. Or it's just, like, well, I'm in an outdoor scene. I, you know, like, the the idea of, of sort of being close, being better, so, like, not... The fact that it wasn't cutting straight to a shot again with the car sort of in the background and having Jamie Lee Curtis there and the dog entering the frame mm-hmm. and her hugging it so that like both that would be very witnessed because most of the frame would be filled by that. Like that seems like a very ob- obvious shot, but that would be like, how would the camera get there from here? Sort of is, mm-hmm. is the question that mm-hmm. Ryan Johnson seems to be very cognizant of to do it where the house and the car and the driveway are very much all in frame. Mm-hmm. And actually that like meeting of the dog in person is kind of small. Right. Um, yeah. Okay. Anyway. So, um, yeah. So it's it's a fun little minute. Um, I don't have anything specific else about the minute, um, but I do have a question for you. All right. Um, which is um, having now just sort of, uh, you know, drooled over uh, Ryan Johnson's film filmmaking prowess. Uh, I'm curious what um, what other what's your opinion of uh, other Ryan Johnson um, stuff is? Are you a Ryan Johnson fan? You sort of said a bit about it in previous episodes, but I think it's worth sort of talking about your relationship uh, with the director. Right. Um, I, I would definitely say I'm a fan of his. Uh, before I saw this movie, I had seen 
uh, Brick, Looper, uh, Brothers Bloom, uh, and The Last Jedi. So I think I'd seen four of his movies before Knives Out. And the first movie I think I saw from him was The Brothers Bloom. Uh, shortly after it came out on disc, I think I rented it from Netflix when Netflix was still a uh, disc-based business. Um, I remember liking that movie. Um, I then saw Looper in theaters, and I was pretty blown away by Looper because I felt like his world building was so solid, and I really got a sense of what he was laying out. And it wasn't even the sense of, like, this is all to serve these characters or this is all to like basically make the movie what the movie was trying to be it felt like it was a fully realized world that you could you could plop in and see a story from another character's point of view and i'd be perfectly happy to do that so like i remember saying coming out of looper i wish they would give this guy a star wars movie because his sense of world building (laughs) is so so great and then (laughs) to my very very happy uh surprise they gave him episode eight and episode eight is now my favorite star wars movie (laughs) so yeah and then i i revisited or not revisited i checked out brick uh after after i'd seen the last jedi i think just to get a better perspective of where he kind of came up from so and i I did like brick fairly well actually yeah i personally haven't seen brick uh yet uh i may saw looper because i'm a big sci-fi and time travel person right uh a fan like kind of generically it could be very bad, and also probably enjoy it. Mm. Uh, although we'll probably try and be like, wait, that <laughs> inconsistent uh, uh, time travel stuff <laughs> is like not a pet peeve uh-huh. so much as a thing that I will, I will, I do. It's not like I'm like, oh, I hate this. It's like I will pick this apart. Right. It's, it's kind of. I, I wish that was different, or but like it makes for some cool yeah. sequences. So that's what. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those things where I'm happy to watch a bad, try, sort of quote-unquote bad try, time travel film, mm-hmm. uh, but then try and... So, like, it's the, it's the... I think it's the same reason why I like, like, mysteries and stuff. It's trying to piece together the thing. Mm-hmm. And so when it's like, oh, this doesn't work. Like, the your pre-established rules say this, and then you did this. Uh, th- that's, like, in the moment frustrating, mm-hmm. but I'm not like, oh, I hate this. It's not... Right. Which is why I, I sort of seek them out. But I think Looper was is one of the... On the other side of just a really good action film with mm-hmm. a time travel element um, in it. yeah with time travel elements yeah right. um in fact kind of the same way that like this is a sort of cop procedural mm-hmm. with mystery elements where you could not solve the mystery or not care or mm-hmm. it'll, it'll be fine because there's so much other good stuff right uh i had um and then uh, of course i've seen the, the last jedi uh which i loved i didn't oh, like it the okay. first time yeah. and i know a lot of that was one of the things that people struggled with which is like the force awakens kind of lulled me into expecting same old same old more of yeah, the same right. which is what i didn't like about it mm-hmm. and then when i saw the last jedi i was like whoa what just happened what is all this new um, stuff right right uh, and so it, it definitely took me to the second watch to be like oh i really like this i just like mm-hmm. My apprehension was just because I assumed that nothing sort of really new could happen, and I was taken off guard. Right. There were a couple things, like my logical mind which couldn't handle the hyperspace um, bomb sort of mm, weaponizing mm. thing. Right. Uh, because why wouldn't they've done that before kind of stuff? But, I mean, that's a thing, and it, it's also kind of what I like about Ryan Johnson's approach, which is he's not... He's not like breaking the rules 
of the universe, right? Is this just wasn't addressed, mm -hmm. uh, and it's do and it was very important for the narrative that something like this happened, and this was an easy way to sort of make that happen. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, I was surprised at that, and it might draw questions, but ultimately, like, it was such a tight film. Uh, um, yeah, I, I think that. Uh, th especially afterwards i can i've only had greater and greater respect for him mm -hmm. via uh sort of how well it's aged yeah and in both my head and in general also a very very solid uh no problems no frills production for that movie as well whereas a lot of the other lucasfilm uh productions in the disney era have not gone as smoothly <laughs> so yeah he, i mean he runs I a tight ship he, he knows what he's doing but yeah so, so i i like between that and this mm -hmm. knives out i'm just you know um i'm gonna i'm gonna seek out whatever he does right right, right. like he i also re, he's also i mean he's got enough of his own personal style um that i'm glad that he mostly does stuff he's written mm -hmm. or had a hand in writing um uh just because I think, like, for example, I talk a lot about the writing and direction being so tight. And I think it'd be way harder for those to be balanced if he wasn't, he wasn't also, in the same brain. Right, right. I mean, I might be wrong because there's a bunch of really great. Really, I guess it's just I think the way the style of the two are so entwined mm -hmm. in, the, in his films it makes me worry from especially others who've like done really grand. I won't name names because it's not a. A shady podcast but like there there are other directors who like started out with you know the standard i wrote this i directed it i uh, it, it did really well i got new pro projects i didn't write them and you know the voice gets lost somewhere yeah. in the middle of the two right uh and and i you know i'm sure he, he I and mean, we know he's very talented but like that's always my worry when when it's like especially when he, these are so good mm -hmm. like this movie is so good in so many ways uh, and his hands are all over it, right? No, absolutely. I mean, is it is it he co-produced it as well with uh, Ram Bergman, who's his uh, yeah producing partner yeah. essentially. Yeah, and uh, I assume they're both working on um, uh, Knives Out Two. Yes, yes. You know, which is obviously just the current production um, title. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, do you have any interest in seeing uh, the Brothers Bloom, uh, which I think is the other? I mean, movie. I'm glad you brought that. I, I'm glad you brought that up because I kind of just it, it, it just didn't stay and brick to be honest. Both I, I knew of and have been on my, sort of you know on and off my list as my mental list mm -hmm. fails me often. <laughs> um, but it's it's a uh, yeah. I actually, especially now, having spent more and more time with Knives Out and like wanting to watch it. A bunch more I'd, I'd be really curious to see how ryan johnson has sort of grown and changed as a filmmaker right, but right. also just to see more of his talent mm -hmm. i like. i think it's very clear from those two movies that he's he's a very particular vision uh i think more brick more so than uh brothers bloom but you can definitely see the the flair there and see that he's gonna be really special and he is so it's not brick flair not Brick Flair, no. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Funny. Brick uh, Flair. <laughs> I literally just got that. Jeez. 
<laughs> yeah, I apologize. I kind of interrupted you for that bad joke. It's which fine. Is it's I fine. Just... <laughs> I was done anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's super cool. I'm definitely gonna uh, take take a take a watch, track them down mm-hmm. with. Oh, I'm gonna have to find. I mean, this is the the the, the headache of the modern uh, era is. Everything's streaming, but no, no, actually, recent things and really popular things right. are streaming. But if you go back 20 and years, I'll, it starts to get hard. Yeah, like Brick is a 2005 film, mm-hmm. so, and it wasn't large. Right. And, like, the one thing that might pull it into a service is that Ryan Johnson is, you know, very hip and with it. Right. Uh, so, so, like, Amazon Prime might have just got all these back catalog things or whatever, right? Yeah, that's it. But I, I can track it down, and of course, it's not like we have a couple indie video stores um, here in Bristol, in the United Kingdom, where I live. That's nice. But they're obvious. They were in like middle of lockdown three. Oh jeez. So it'll be a while till mm-hmm. I um, can uh, track them down, perhaps. But uh, it's okay. It's not like there's a dearth of things to watch ever. <laughs> Uh, for the rest of our lives yeah yeah i mean so growing up it used to be books for me yeah like there's this horrible realization of no matter what i will never be able to read all the books i want to let alone all the books yeah um and uh now i mean then with streaming services and the internet access to back catalogs and like seasons of shows and all this stuff. Cause like I grew up, I, you know, I, I was sort of TV aware in the later eighties, early nineties and beyond. So it was like, you watched what was syndicated or what was airing. Mm-hmm. And if you really liked the show, you would record it on VHS tape. So you could watch it at, at your leisure. And then shows started coming out on like DVD came and it was cheap enough that they could put that out and then you were buying the shows you liked but if they didn't have printings or they didn't have like subsequent printings they're just like guess you can't watch that show ever again and now of course everything is on the internet right in one way shape or form uh anyway so so uh that's all to say uh i really enjoy knives out and i will watch it uh again and i'm gonna check out um brick and the brothers bloom in favor, I'm in favor of those versus whatever Netflix happens to release in the next couple months. Mm-hmm. If I could drag them down, because uh, they they really intrigue me, and I'm, I'm glad that you give them a seal of approval. Yeah, they're definitely worth watching. Cool. Well, if people want to um, talk to you about those movies that you've seen and they may have seen, or anything else, how would they do that? Yeah, sure. If somebody wants to talk to me about the golf ball from hell, uh, Ryan Johnson's experimental short film. Uh, you can you can uh, tweet me at t z a r r e v a n tsarevan on Twitter. Nice. And if you want to talk, contact us here at the podcast, you can tweet us at knives out minute. This has been us for another episode. I've been Adil, and I am Eric. Bye.